Hi, this is Guy Doucette. And this is Michael Orlando. And you're listening to Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidorek. Thanks for joining us. This is kind of a treat for me to have my first returning guest, uh, Mr. Orlando, after your, uh, after your interview about uh, the other Houdini with Theater Lab. Now, uh, you gentlemen have joined me to uh, tell me a little bit about Jackie and Jack. Well, it started as a workshop production several years ago. And so now, over the past two years, uh, we've worked with the playwright Jim Christie to add some additional content to the play uh, fl- and flesh out a character that we thought needed a little more um, meat to it. And um, setting up the pieces so that we could mount it in a full production and, and not re-go over ground that we'd already done. So it was nice in the two years to, to be able to plan to bring it to this state where we could mount it as a full production. I attended the workshop. It was in February of 2010? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so February 2010, they did a three-day workshop at uh, Lower Ossington Theatre, just in one of the studios. And it was, I would say, about, what, 45 minutes, maybe? Yeah, the, the production ran 45 minutes. Very bare bones in terms of set. We, we didn't put any expenditures into that. We worked with sound because we felt that that was important to create the atmosphere of the show. But other than that, we just focused on the acting and the telling of the story. What we were hoping for to move it from that state at that time was to then be able to add in the physical details of the show, but primarily focus on the story. Tell me a little bit about the story. It's a what-if play. It's based on Jack Kerouac and Jackie Kennedy having a meeting on a beach in Hyannisport. In reality, one never knows whether they did meet, but they were in very close proximity to one another uh, for a period of time. Um, that the play takes place in the 56. And so here on this beach, there's a chance encounter between these two icons who everyone tends to have their preconceived notions of who they are. So it's really nice to be able to explore them in a very mundane setting that we can all sympathize with, you know, in terms of a day on the beach, uh, relaxing and possibly bumping into someone and, and something happening. So, What was your story of discovering the script? I was in uh, Prince Edward County uh, working on an art residency for their kind of primary year opening. And um, it was Small Pond Arts. And we happened to go with one of the artists who is an owner of the residence, Emilia Martinovsky, into Belleville for an art reception at a gallery there. And I happened to bump into the man who was presenting work at the gallery and we kind of recognized each other although we introduced each other like it was the first time and then through talking we realized that he had attended one of our theater festivals several summers past and he had mentioned that he had a script that he'd been working on. I knew a little bit about him from my friend and poet who had been part of the festival, Steve Michael Brzezinski and um, it was really nice to then get to talk to Jim Christie, and he, through presenting this play, 
I was really taken with it. Uh, the charm of it, the the simplicity of the story, but the complexity of the characters, and ultimately exploring a relationship and aspects of these characters that might not necessarily be exposed in, in regular history um, and just our perception of them. So we talked several times uh, in Prince Edward County about the play. And then I went away uh, back to Toronto and slowly started uh, casting and looking around and figuring out how we were going to move on with the production uh, to launch it into a workshop state. So. And uh, so what was the, so what were the circumstances sort of of the workshop? What the presentation of that? Uh, well, we rehearsed, we rehearsed uh, for about the time that we would for a normal production. So again, the acting was really focused on. And over that process, the playwright came several times to meet the cast and see what it was like lifting it from the page to the stage. And with that, having being able to talk to him was really invaluable as well. And quite often, we don't have that opportunity if we're doing older works uh, to talk to a playwright. Luckily with this, with doing uh, a new piece of work and working with the playwright, you really have an opportunity to get the background and the history of where it's come from. And Jim himself uh, has been an avid lover of Kerouac. He's, he wrote a novel uh, called Long Slow Death of Jack Kerouac, um, in which he examines Kerouac's history more towards the latter end of his life. Um, and he also had uh, um, an opportunity being a journalist and also working in the publishing industry to be able to talk with uh, Jackie Kennedy over the phone on a project that they were editing together. Oh, cool. So a lot of those back moments that he'd had throughout his own life uh, and his own interest in, in these two figures also really appealed to me. His, uh, his work as an artist, uh, poet, really... Uh, shines through in his work as a playwright and uh, i feel like he brings a musical quality to his work it's very nice and, uh, an essence of kerouac on the stage just in the production itself it uh it almost feels as if kerouac in one of his fictitious but also semi-autobiographical stories it is, this is an extension of of one of those stories so what was it about uh was seeing this in its workshop stage that, that grabbed you? Um, I I would say because typically my company, um, we create stuff. And this isn't necessarily in our vein. So I'm kind of taking this on as a producer, as like a sole producer with Guy and with Jim, the, the player. It's also a, a producer as well. But what really grabbed me was it was one of, I think, the best new scripts I had heard because I hadn't read it yet, so I'd heard in a long, long time, and that wasn't there. It wasn't uh, preaching to you. It wasn't uh, sit, giving you a set of morals to believe in. It was just here are two things, like a very old-fashioned play of two characters. They meet and something happens, and there's a conflict. It's a very simple story where there's three large scenes. They spend time together. They spend time with the family, and they spend time together again. And it's very much, like, very well written and I thought, like, just excellently acted. And when an actor is becoming a real person or playing a real person, there's always that, there's a whole new set of challenges, right? Because to someone who comes to watch a show, as soon as they 
they don't believe what's happening or they say, oh, I know something about that person and that's not how the way they would act. That instantly takes them out of the show. Right. Where in any other thing, like Romeo is a million Romeos, right? There's no defined way to play Romeo. But when you don't embody the, the, the speech and the mannerisms of Jackie or of Jack, it automatically takes you out. So in this show, again, it's all about the acting and all about the writing. And I thought it was so good that it needed to be done again. And I wanted to make sure it was done again. Uh, so right after the show, I pulled Guy aside. I saw it twice out of the three times it was, it was done. I pulled Guy aside and I said, we're going to do this at some point. And it's taken a while to get everyone together and to get just things falling into place. And to be honest, we're kind of waiting for our moment to strike. Jackie Kennedy is always interesting. There's always people who love Jackie Kennedy. Right. But I think there has been a recent resurgence in the popularity of Jack Kerouac. Uh, just amongst in the pop culture with a horrible movie being made. That's fine because now he's in, <laughs> he's at top of mind, right? Right. Uh, and what Jim, when I spoke on the phone to him about, you know, just random things, he was saying, now it's our turn to present a real Jack, like not these characters in On the Road in this horrible movie that they made of it, which is autobiographical anyway, but what we think he would actually be like or based on writings, based on video, based on photos. So this is our idea and uh, a presentation of that. Yeah, because, I mean, you really are dealing with modern icons. It isn't like some historical document. Like, there is yeah. film of both of these uh -huh. mm -hmm. individuals walking around and, and behaving. Uh, tell me a bit about the, the, the development process. Walk me through what actually happened between that first lot workshop presentation and what's going to be going up on stage. Part of it was uh, just giving Jim the time to take the work, uh, to reevaluate it, and to expand upon certain sections. One of the characters that I mentioned that we fleshed out a little bit more is the uh, the character of the, the ghost of the Susquehanna, which is a figure who appears in several of Jack Kerouac's books. Uh, is this uh, mystic soothsayer? Doomsday Prophet, Old Testament feel to him. And in the first production, it was hard to bring about that character. It, it was just a little too, it was touched upon. But now I feel that it really um, helps augment the play in terms of sort of uh, foreshadowing Jack's own future destiny of kind of disappearing into the, the fringes, but always being, they are recognizable, but, but also strange to us and and from from a from a practical perspective as producer <laughs> uh guy was out of town like living in another part of the of the province and and uh jim still lives in another part of the province and i was doing other projects so we're all doing these other projects traveling around and then eventually i guess in august or july or august of 2012 we're like okay we can line everything up for uh, february so great so we plan all that in the meantime, Theater Lab became a partner in a studio, collective studio. So now we have a place to rehearse, which is, you know, key. And we became a member of TAPA. And so all those things kind of lined up for us to be able to do the show at this time. We were able to get a longer run, which is the longest run of any show that we've ever done. And, uh, and you know, financing, all that stuff all came together. And, and the actors came together. We have one of our actors, one of our actors returning. Uh, and but two two, two, of, two of actors returning and uh, and uh, a new Jack 
So we were just finding the right people for the project. And I think we have the exact right people for the project now. And we're just, we're just winding up to do it. In terms of the script development, were you sort of in constant contact with the playwright? Or was it just kind of a, the workshop took place and then he went away with his own notes and came back to it? How is your sort of... We provided some feedback and we certainly had conversations about it. But Jim, he, he had a very strong vision uh, yeah. and it was easy to see what he wanted to do. And he, he's also very good at, at taking ideas and then expanding upon them. So it was very easy for to work with him to allow him to take that time to recraft it and bring it back to give some more feedback and a, another once quick over and, and then we were off to the races. And, and also from like a, like a dramaturgical, like practical perspective, this is Jim's first play, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so it's, this is Jim's first play. So maybe mm-hmm. after he saw it the first time, and then we could give, hey, here's some suggestions for when we do a show again, some things that you might have to build into a script that make more sense and make it easier for the actors and make it easier for the audience to understand the story. And he had to build those things in. And then we, we did exchange a few, but it's really Jim's expansion and us mm-hmm. just taking his work and bringing it to life. It's certainly been nice with uh, the workshop to be able to carry, to have some of our original cast uh, carry over. For example, um, Jackie Kennedy is played by Rosalie Williamson, who is reprising the role. Uh, And to have those touchstones from the first production has really been nice, but also has allowed the actors to delve into the characters more. We've continued our research, pulling up old audio files or uh, video pieces, uh, photo imagery, and text uh, to help continue building our background as we, as we proceed in the process. And then also, yes, having uh, a new new blood to the cast, uh, bringing on Jack Clift uh, to play Jack Kerouac has been uh, a really nice addition to the to the production. Now, does the script, would you say it sort of takes place in a completely plausible what if place or would you say the absolutely. playwright has taken some no okay <laughs> yeah. no absolutely it um where jack ended up buying his home in northport and between where she would sometimes stay at the compound in hyenas port uh, and as well as where her her aunt is in gray gardens there's only about an hour and a half difference driving wise and uh, in terms of those areas that they would frequent uh, it's quite possible that they may have crossed paths with one another. It's certainly exciting to explore those those possibilities, and uh, at, a, at a period of time where such changes are happening just across the nation as well, to have these two people who experience those changes meet and converse is is a, a fascinating realm to explore, and and the, the plausibility of it being in place makes it that much more exciting. And and it's and it's 1959, right? Mm-hmm. So Jack just his his book that he has released before this meeting is on the road. So he's become, you know, whatever literary superstar is, and uh, and Jackie is they're they're running. She's running for first lady, right? So like they're she's in the midst of a presidential campaign, and they're both their lives are about to explode in in two different ways. Like he's going to become the superstar and get further into drugs and alcohol and, you know, become a rock star, basically. And uh, and she's going to become first first lady to the, the nation and, like, in really that iconic figure to women in the world, right, of 
how to be this thing, right? So right before that moment happens, they meet. And she represents establishment and he represents the opposite of that. And they have a lot more in common than, than you'd think. You, and mm-hmm. it's all based on ideas and reality and then twisted a bit to make it fit. Like if they're walking down the beach, yes, they could have seen each other. And then what would have happened next, right? Because they're both recognizable people. They would have known who the other one was right away. In terms of just their own um, their own personalities, it's really wonderful to place them side by side and see those those moments where they're the moments where they are able to uh, relate about just being followed by tabloids and papers and being exploited. Uh, both of them were no strangers to that, and um, it's nice to take these people and see them in such in a perspective that where we forget that we're actually watching the icons. And I, for me, I feel that that happens, that I, even though I, I'm watching these famous individuals, that it, it becomes quite compelling just the story itself. And I certainly think that that's one of Jim's qualities, is he's able to capture, capture them in a very honest sense, as Michael was saying, watch. To watch them, um, the script, and to read the script, it has a real honesty and integrity to it, uh, even if we are exploring what could or couldn't be uh, a reality. So, and this this play or this idea has been done like a, a similar idea of taking two people that don't meet really and putting them together, but it can be done so poorly. But this is an example of it being done so excellently, and the writing is so precise and. The characters are so fleshed out, like they said these words. But there's a few words that they actually said, but the rest is imagined, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what that's why I wanted to be involved, and that's why I in, like we both, me and Guy, insisted that this show happens whenever it could happen, because it's stuff stuff like this I don't see. I, I go to a lot of theater, and I just don't see this. Uh, I think one of the beauties about uh, timeless individuals is that despite whether or not there's a movie uh, coming out we certainly have heard tell of their names and I I mean sometimes it's nice to be able to piggyback off of mm. uh, uh, if, if there's a wave or a craze coming out um, but certainly what again going back to my first compulsion to uh, to this story of, of loving um, the honesty of it. Uh, it's a story that can be told, if you were to remove the names uh, and just to tell the story, it would stand on its own. And I, I feel that that was a real call to me, that regardless of who these people were, that telling um, Jim's uh, story was uh, was became very important um, to to the process and just to bring it forward. And and also besides the yeah, the movie part, which to be honest played into our, our planning. Uh, we we had tried to do the show at a, like a mm-hmm. year ago basically yeah, but it things just didn't work. Things just didn't work out. And so and also too, very recently, I think it was a few months ago, and I may not get all these details totally correct, but Jackie did a series of interviews, eight hours worth of interviews, actually, on tape, yes. on tape pretty recently after her husband was killed. 
and these tapes were just released now because it was in the in the contract when she did it it was supposed to be released x amount of years after her death and that's played perfectly so all these tapes were released and you see her answer questions incredibly candidly uh that she would have never answered if they, she knew they were going to be aired right away right there was this is only looking back on history did these answers seem like wow she was completely honest about these things right and hearing those and there's a big book written about it and you know and all the you can buy all the tapes and listen to them and i've listened to a bunch of them and it's just there's these in a, in an age where we revere these public figures that we know nothing about it's like the old famous people and the old public figures seem to be more like real people that just so happen to put themselves in this crazy situation and there's still so much there that you don't see and i think these two people jack i think lived honestly probably his whole life like he lived the way he wanted it and i think she eventually lived the way that she wanted it um but there's a certain amount of pretending in the public eye and in this play yes they were pretending at the beginning but they eventually drop it and they interact as people would and i think that's that's why it's 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 really beautiful and i think it could stand like guy said at any point well you raise an interesting point because i mean you know now we live in this um sort of world where the reality is you've, you know, professional services for people to manage their reputations and manage what gets out about them. And so you're talking about, you know, these these public figures back in the day yeah. before there is that, I mean, there's a consciousness of image, but mm. PR isn't the, the polished machine no. by any stretch that it is now. It's also difficult with Kerouac because he was a very honest individual. And so... For example, uh, when we're talking about an age as well that had less certainly of publicists who were there to make sure and clean up uh, after you uh, or to spin it, um, there's certainly a lot of celebrities nowadays who make their whole business uh, and celebrity off of being drunk and obnoxious. Kerouac is actually quite witty even when he's um, you see him sloshed on the Jeff Buckley show. He has a certain charm to him, but he, he's honest. And you can see there's a lot of pomp going on, actually, in that interview. Uh, it's one you can look up online. But um, and, and I think because of that honesty, they, they really took it and ran with it. When he says that he wrote it in a, a week, uh, he had made so many other drafts before that that it was a disservice to actually his own writing process, that he had written so much beforehand, but everyone thought he was a fly-by-night, you know, write-it-down stream-of-conscious hack uh after that after its initial first big success that so you can see where being misunderstood would probably you know in addition drive you to the drink even more so he certainly liked his drink absolutely i'm not uh I'm not <laughs> denying that but and it it adds it adds to the legend right mm -hmm. like of absolutely. of that he wrote it it's a it's fact that he did write that last or that submitted draft on one gigantic roll of paper so he wouldn't have to change the paper and in his typewriter. And it is true that he wrote, you know, although there were all those drafts, right? He did write it on benzodrine and, and amphetamine, so he wouldn't have to stop, right? So he just wrote it down. And yes, he obviously referred to all those things, but yeah, he became like that le a legend mm -hmm. of, oh, he's crazy. He does these crazy things. And then he stopped becoming a man, very much like Jackie was a wife and a mother and all these things. 
but then she just became this like super perfect first lady that always smiles and does all the right things. And then, oh my God, her husband gets shot and she's going to go off and marry this billionaire, right? So it's, I think they both were maybe becoming things that they didn't want to be. And there's only, once you get into these echelons of high class or power or anything, there's less and less people that you can, be, you can feel you can be truly honest to. And I think they find each other to be truly honest to each other. So your uh, triumphant return to Unit 102? <laughs> yeah, Unit 102 has been, been really great to us. Um, and as a plug, it is one of the best independent, truly independent theater spaces in the city that a small company can afford. We can do a nice a nine-day run, uh, which is hard to do in the city, and uh, really get the work out there. And this is another, it's another step in development, right? It's you see it, you do it for a short time, with a smaller audience and now it's a longer run with a, an audience, a larger audience every night. So, um, yeah, Unit 102. <laughs> It'll be quite nice with the intimacy of the space. Uh, we are um, technically going to try to recreate a little portion of the beach, which would be very fun to bring to life in the studio. So I feel the spectator is uh, going to have a nice visual treat as well as the enjoyment of, of the story itself. Jackie and Jack, running from uh, February 22nd to March 2nd at uh, Unit 102 Theatre. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Mark. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.